You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show, coming right up with Gavin Walker. Thank you. 
right, on the eve of the uh, equinox, yes, this is the last day of summer. And, of course, tomorrow, after midnight, woo. As a matter of fact, I think, uh, well, we're officially in summer. I think it was 729 this evening that the uh, the switch took place. So uh, summer's over for another year, and we're into fall. But uh, we've had a, a great summer, and, of course, uh, we may see some more very pleasant weather, too. This is The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here every week with some of the very best in jazz music for three hours, and uh, we have a lot to uh, do this evening. We're going to, um, later on in this show, we're going to pay tribute to uh, some artists who have recently departed. And uh, I did last week a tribute to uh, Joe Sample and played some Jazz Crusaders. I might get around to playing some more of that tonight. But uh, singer Jackie Kane uh, passed away. She's a very, very fine vocalist, and she was in her mid-80s. And... um, also, of course, one of the most important trumpet players, composers, and jazz icons, Canadian-born Kenny Wheeler passed away. He was 84. He had been ill for the last while, and uh, his health completely deteriorated. And the world is mourning the passing of Kenny Wheeler, so we'll be doing a tribute to him a little later on in the show. But as is our new policy, which shall remain, the jazz feature. The beginning of the show is always going to be the jazz feature, and you're going to hear some, I guess, about almost an hour of uninterrupted music. This time by one of the major pianists of his era, and I'm talking about William Red Garland. Red was born in uh, Dallas, Texas in 1923, died in 1984 uh, from a heart attack. And Red had a very interesting beginning to his career. He he, um, had a talent for boxing, and he became very good at that. As a matter of fact, he even fought the great Sugar Ray Robinson, one of the greatest fighters in the history. So he was good enough to do that. Now, he didn't win against Sugar Ray. Very few people did. But he was a contender and good enough to uh, be in the same ring with Sugar Ray. Anyway, after that, Red, of course, he always had an interest in music, which was fostered by his uh, mom, mostly. And uh, Red, of course, turned to music after... uh, after the the boxing uh, scenario, and and began teaching himself the piano, and of course became very very good. In even before he was well known, Red was known in um, he had moved from Dallas to uh, New York and, and then Philadelphia, and worked between Philadelphia and Boston, and actually played with uh, some great musicians, including Lester Young. Uh, Coleman Hawkins. Um, Singers loved Red because he was a sensitive accompanist. He also um, played with Charlie Parker, and uh, that there's some recorded evidence of that that was done in 1953. But it really wasn't until 
he joined Miles Davis's first great quintet that the world began to learn about Red Garland. And, of course, he was an important part of one of the most uh, incredible rhythm sections in jazz, Miles Davis's rhythm section with Paul Chambers on bass and, of course, the fabulous Philly Joe Jones on drums. There was no rhythm section like it in modern jazz, and Red was a big part of that. And, of course, because Red was a member of Miles Davis's first great quintet, then he was offered recording contracts to do things on his own, which he did. And he began recording for Prestige Records and did a whole series of lovely trio albums. And of course, he appeared as a sideman with uh, other people, sidemen with John Coltrane and Jackie McLean and Bill Hardman and different people, Phil Woods. But uh, Red's trio albums were good sellers for prestige because Red had a way of playing uh, piano that was, uh, he was very, very deep musician, but his music reflected his personality, which was uh, easygoing, swinging, melodic, this kind of thing. There was nothing complicated about Red's uh, playing. A very distinctive, a nice light touch, all that kind of stuff, and those trio albums that he did with the all-star rhythm sections, people that he worked with and the people that he occasionally worked with, um, were good sellers for prestige records. And, of course, his career with Miles Davis's quintet went from 1955 to 1958. And after that, then... uh, There was a layoff period, too, in 1957. Red didn't uh, really—he did uh, not much work outside because Miles Davis's group was working a lot. But uh, there was a layoff in 1957, and Red uh, formed a little working band. Didn't last very long, about half a dozen uh, gigs. I don't mean one-nighters. I'm talking about weeks. uh, With John Coltrane, who— uh, had just left Thelonious Monk and was to rejoin Miles Davis and Donald Byrd and, and some other people. That was a quintet that uh, Red put together. But most of the time he liked to work um, outside of Miles' band and, and, and these kind of bands as a trio artist. So in 1958, Red struck out on his own and, of course, uh, began uh, doing gigs with... Uh, uh, he didn't keep a regular band together, but when available, he, he would get bass players like Paul Chambers or Sam Jones and so on and so forth, which leads us to tonight's jazz feature. This is one of the finest Red Garland albums. It first came out uh, as a single recording uh, on LP for Prestige Records, and it was one of the very first if not the very first live recording that Prestige did. They were not into live recordings. All their stuff was done in the studios. And so this was a new venture for Prestige. And the album came out uh, titled Red Garland at the Prelude, and it sold extremely well. And, of course, in ensuing years, uh, it's turned uh, into a two-CD set, Uh, where they found other material from that uh, particular evening. October 2nd, 1959, in New York City at a club in Harlem called The Prelude. And it was an upscale club. 
Harlem by that time was was um, beginning to realize its potential as a culture center for all people, not just black people. And uh, they wanted to um, make it a little more friendly so that people could come in, tourists could come in and experience uh, the cultural amenities of Harlem. And the Prelude, the club, was an upscale uh, kind of a club, but it was um, it encouraged people to come in, but to listen. It was a classy place, yes, but uh, music was the center of it. So the audience, uh, the audiences that came to the Prelude were um, aware, respectful, and uh, and quiet and listened, because that's the essence with jazz music. That's how this recording came about. Red was very happy to, Red Garland was very happy to play there. And he, uh, from his time in Philadelphia, he became familiar with two great musicians that he used on here. So we hear Red Garland on piano with uh, Jimmy Rouser on bass. Now, Jimmy didn't record a lot, but he was one of the most respected bass players uh, around. And as you'll hear, excellent on drums, a legendary drummer who died, uh, he had a, a number of personal problems, too bad, because he was one of the most tasteful and uh, perfect drummers for a trio. And, um, I mean, he could play, yes, he could get out there with, the, with sticks and so on, but his brushwork was exceptionally good. And I'm talking about Charles Specks Wright. Uh, he passed away in 1963, died far too young, and he should have been better known. He was from Philadelphia, too. So all these people, uh, Red Garland on piano, Jimmy Rouser on bass, and Specs Wright on drums made up this short-lived trio, and they did this album. And we're going to hear this. This is going to be the jazz feature this evening, the music of Red Garland. I think you'll find this... Um, kind of music uh, and the way Red plays, you, you'll realize he is a, such a distinctive piano player, uh, but his music is light, airy, and uh, positive, and swinging, and really fine, fine music. The tunes, we open with a Count Basie uh, original that he wrote for um, one of those TV series, crime series. Count Basie wrote this tune for it, and it's called the M-Squad theme. And that's what the, uh, the set opens with. And we follow that with a, a great standard, There Will Never Be Another You. And um, then um, another Count Basie tune following that uh, called Let Me See. And then a beautiful Rodgers and Hammerstein tune called We Kiss in a Shadow, of course, from The, uh, from the King and I. And uh, then we're going to hear the great Oscar Pettifer tune called Blues in the Closet, sometimes known as Collard Greens and Black Eyed Peas. And following that um, is uh, a wonderful edition of a tune that has been played to the death, but Red's version of it um, is really refreshing. And that's Duke Ellington's Satin Doll. And uh, then we'll just go from there. So that's pretty well the first batch of tunes we're going to hear. And I'll let you know, uh, we're going to add to that too, to make up, uh, make up the almost an hour of this uh, fine, fine music for this jazz feature. So once again, William Red Garland on piano, Jimmy Rouser on bass, and Specs Wright on drums. 
and we kick it off with Count Basie's M Squad theme. Our jazz feature tonight.
Red Garland, William Red Garland, our jazz feature artist this evening, and uh, a marvelous uh, trio set featuring, um, of course, Red spent a lot of uh, time uh, in Philadelphia where he really developed his uh, pianistic skills, and uh, he used to um, uh, lesser-known but very fine musicians uh, from Philadelphia to make up this trio. The bassist, Jimmy Rouser, and the drummer, the legendary and uh, sadly short-lived Charles Spex Wright. And uh, with those two, uh, an extremely fine trio. This, uh, as I mentioned before in my intro, uh, was one of the, was the first prestige album uh, recorded live. And uh, it's a good thing that they chose Mr. Garland to do it because he was one of the best-selling artists on Prestige Records. He, um, he later on moved his skills over to Riverside Records and worked for uh, the redoubtable Orrin Keep News until um, Red went back home to Dallas on the um, death of his mother in the uh, mid-'60s. But then he did resuscitate his career again um, and returned to New York in the 70s and uh, continued to play until his death in 1984. Anyway, this album, Red Garland at the Prelude, recorded an upscale uh, club in Harlem where people actually listened to the music and, and paid attention to what was going on, uh, which uh, so often doesn't happen in clubs anymore. People have a short attention span. But uh, Red was always worth listening to, as you could hear. Recorded October 2nd, 1959. And we heard a whole bunch of um, tunes, a lot of uh, which were probably familiar uh, to you and others maybe not so much. But uh, Red had a way of interpreting all of these tunes. And even though his music was uh, what we call uh, pleasant, swinging, um, happy, and optimistic. It was also very deep, and Red Garland was one of the most distinctive pianists of his generation. And of course, uh, it's easy to see why Miles Davis chose Red uh, to work with him for so many years. Miles liked uh, a pianist with a light touch, and Red Garland, of course, certainly had that a light, beautiful touch and uh, just a, a, a very distinctive way of um, playing the piano. So, the set we heard uh, was a nice long set, uh, starting with uh, Count Basie's M-Squad theme. Basie wrote that tune for a TV series, one of those detective series that were popular back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. M-Squad theme. That opened the set. Then we went to a great standard that is played by every jazz musician under the sun. There will never be another you, sometimes known as the Shepherd's Lament. Um, then tune number three was called uh, Let Me See, and that was a Count Basie, Harry Edison composition. Then a beautiful ballad uh, from The King and I, one of the finest uh, ballads from that uh, beautiful show, We Kiss in a Shadow. Then following that, um, we heard Oscar Pettiford's great tune, Blues in the Closet, sometimes known as Colored Greens and Black Eyed Peas. Then uh, we heard Duke Ellington's famous anthem, Satin Doll. And we followed that with um, a version of the Gershwin standard, A Foggy Day in London Town. 
We'll be getting some foggy days here in Vancouver. We've had a little bit so far, but we usually get some in the fall. And the final tune, of course, was uh, Red's closing theme for the set. And uh, we heard a version of Count Basie's One O'Clock Jump, played by the trio. So that was our jazz feature this evening. And we certainly hope you enjoyed the, the music of William Red Garland, one of the most distinctive pianists of his era. And uh, Red will never be a stranger on the jazz show. Incidentally, that's what you're listening to, and that's I'm Gavin Walker, and that's who you're listening to. <laughs> We're on CITR FM 101.9, or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll be back in uno momento. We have a couple of announcements for you, and uh, we will be back and pay tribute to one of the great icons of music, trumpeter, one of the most distinctive trumpet players ever, and composer, Kenneth Vincent John Wheeler, Kenny Wheeler. was born in Toronto, 1930, and passed away September 18th, last week in London. 84 years old, and he will be missed. We'll be right back. How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers, or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen, and then get riding. some weather for you. (laughs) Things have changed, but we had a gorgeous weekend, and we can be thankful for that. And of course, uh, we're now into fall, and uh, the weather is going to reflect that season. Uh, Tonight is mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of a shower with a low of 14. Then tomorrow is going to be cloudy with a 30% chance of a shower in the morning, some intermittent uh, light showers, and then increasing showers in the afternoon with a low of 14 and a high of 19. Then on Wednesday, showers again with a low of 15 and a high of 20. And then Thursday, well, what's the difference? Uh, Maybe a little heavier? Rain, low of 14, high of 17. Then uh, on Friday, cloudy with a 70% chance of a shower. 
same temperature range, 14 to 17. Then Saturday and Sunday, no precipitation in the forecast, but it's going to be cloudy. So uh, no suntans, no beach. Well, beach maybe, but uh, you probably won't get a tan. Uh, low of 11 and a high of 19 on Saturday and Sunday. Actually, it's quite warm, and, and the, the high temperatures are quite a bit warmer than your average um, temperatures this time of year. So that's, that's a plus. You can still keep wearing shorts and stuff like that, even though the sun may not be uh, out there. Kenny Wheeler was a man who, of course, uh, did so much um, for jazz. He was an educator as well, taught uh, many times at the Banff School of Music, and there's so many Canadian musicians that uh, uh, were associated and um, were taught and, and worked with Kenny Wheeler. I'm talking about uh, such prominent people as Phil Dwyer and um, also Don Thompson uh, and, and of course, uh, Hugh Fraser, um, so many musicians, and I could sit here and name you dozens of them that, uh, that, that worked with Kenny and were influenced by him. Kenny Wheeler, of course, developed one of the most distinctive trumpet styles and uh, was as recognizable on the trumpet as Miles Davis and a beautiful player, but Kenny Wheeler was also an amazing writer and wrote so much music. He was, he was prolific. Um, my friend John Corsrud, who, of course, uh, um, conducts the um, Hard Rubber Orchestra, has um, played lots of Kenny Wheeler's music and is very, very familiar uh, with, with Kenny. And, and, of course, uh, Kenny has contributed a lot of, uh, or did contribute a lot of uh, music to the Hard Rubber Orchestra's uh, vast repertoire. And um, not only do the most musicians find uh, his music pleasurable to play, but also challenging and very, very moving. Uh, um, somebody told me, I forget whom now, said that after you play uh, one of Kenny's compositions, you know, you feel as if you've accomplished something, yes, but you feel that you've really experienced something, been through something, and, and, uh, and learned something uh, uh, emotionally. Kenny's music was very deep, and uh, we're going to hear quite a bit of it uh, as a tribute to this great man. He was born in Toronto, January 14th, 1930, and as I said, passed away in his longtime home in London, England, September 18th, 2014. And uh, his son, Mark, and his wife, uh, Doreen, of course, are going to miss Kenny. Kenny was 84, and um, he had been ill for quite a while, and of course his health um, completely deteriorated. And um, Kenny is now in a better place and without pain. So uh, we can be happy for that, but we can be sad about his departure. Now, I'm going to go back uh, in my tribute to Kenny Wheeler to an album, amazingly enough, by Philly Joe Jones, the great drummer. It's called The Trailways Express. This album was recorded in London. You see, Kenny, um, although he left Toronto in the early 50s, rather than go to the United States uh, and, and, and make his mark in music, which was 
a lot more difficult, actually, because of the visa requirements and Canadians moving down there to work and all the bureaucracy that one had, had to go through. Kenny got a flash and decided to go to London because there was a burgeoning jazz scene in London, England. And, of course, that's where he remained and, uh, of course, played with all the great uh, British musicians and... and um, really functioned uh, over there and, of course, made his home, met his wife, and so on and so forth. So we get back to this album, which was recorded in 1968, October 1968. Philly Joe Jones, the great uh, American drummer, was living in Europe uh, and, and England for the time. Uh, Joe, of course, as everyone knows, um, was... Uh, uh, using a lot of drugs uh, at the time, uh, specifically heroin, and um, he could uh, uh, he decided to go to England because he could register there and get free drugs, and of course uh, began performing um, because that's what he did with all the British musicians and made quite a name for himself and quite an impression over uh, in England. So this is a, a band that Philly Joe put together. And the trumpet player is none other than Kenny Wheeler. So we hear uh, Kenny on trumpet. Uh, we're going to hear Chris Pine on trombone. And one of the great uh, British uh, alto saxophonists, one of my favorites, Peter King, Pete King. And on tenor saxophone, Harold McNair. On piano, Mike Pine. And on bass, Ron Mathewson. And, of course, on drums, the incredible Philly Joe Jones. We're going to hear two tunes. Uh, the first one is uh, written by Philly Joe called Mojo. And the second one is one that he wrote um, or contributed uh, writing for um, Miles Davis's famous album Porgy and Bess. And this is a variation on a Gershwin tune, Gone. Um, and Joe kind of changed it. Uh, and called it Gone, Gone, Gone. These two tracks from this wonderful album called Trailways Express. Philly Joe Jones featuring Kenny Wheeler.
Those two pieces were from uh, an album by the great drummer Philly Joe Jones, recorded when uh, Philly Joe was uh, living in London in 1968. And uh, he put together a group of uh, British musicians, including 
the gentleman we're paying tribute to, Kenny Wheeler. And Kenny, of course, was heard on trumpet on those two tunes, along with uh, Chris Pine on trombone, Peter King on alto saxophone, Harold McNair on tenor, and Mike Pine on piano, Ron Mathewson on bass. And we heard two tunes. Uh, the first one was a Philly Joe Jones composition called Mojo, and the second tune, of course, with this uh, incredible drum solo, well, any any recording with Philly Joe is going to have an incredible drum solo or incredible just drums, just being there. And that uh, was Philly Joe's variation on uh, a George Gershwin composition called Gone. And um, Philly Joe, of course, rearranged it and it became a feature for him called Gone, Gone, Gone. And uh, there was an early um, sideman performance by the great... Kenny Wheeler, who, as I said, we're paying tribute to right now. We have a couple of announcements, and we'll be back with um, more Kenny Wheeler, this time recorded live in Toronto with uh, Don Thompson and various other people. And we'll tell you about it in a minute. But first, uh, just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And my name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be right back. Are you not sure where to go on campus? Traveling late at night and afraid to go alone? Call SafeWalk, a free service where a co-ed team will take you anywhere you need to go on campus. Don't walk alone. For a walk, add SafeWalk to your phone. Call 604-822-5355. That's 604-822-5355. Alternatively, use a UBC Blue phone and ask for SafeWalk. Approach any SafeWalk team or drop by our office on the main floor of the sub across from the gallery lounge. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world. And guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. We're going to go to a recording done at the, uh, actually recorded in Toronto at a club called the Montreal Bistro and Jazz Club, which was uh, happening in uh, in Toronto at that time. <laughs> Great name. Um, the two rival cities, Montreal and Toronto. So they have a club in Toronto called the Montreal Bistro uh, to show that, uh, you know, Toronto can be hip too. I don't know. Whatever the reason, um, that's it. We're going to hear Kenny Wheeler on uh, flugelhorn along with uh, the great Sonny Greenwich, the legendary guitarist, uh, Montreal-born guitarist, uh, and on piano, my good friend Don Thompson, 
um, Jim Vivian on bass and Barry Elms on drums. And this is a beautiful composition written by Don Thompson dedicated to Kenny Wheeler, and it's called simply For Kenny Wheeler. So we take you back to the Montreal Bistro uh, in Toronto, recorded in 1997.
We're paying tribute to the late, great Kenny Wheeler, and that was uh, a piece of music that featured him extensively on the trumpet, playing um, a piece of music written especially for him and kind of captured his uh, um, beautiful um, melodic sense and uh, perfect uh, piece of music written by pianist Don Thompson. And... um, Sonny Greenwich, uh, the guitarist, did not play on this tune. It was just the quartet with Kenny on flugelhorn, Don Thompson on piano, Jim Vivian on bass, and Barry Elms on drums for Kenny Wheeler. Now, I mentioned that Kenny was, of course, um, not only one of the most distinctive trumpet players, but composer, and what a composer. Um, We're going to turn now to uh, an album with the Maritime Jazz Orchestra, and it was recorded um, in Nova Scotia. There's all kinds of um, well-known people in the band. I'm not, I'm not going to go through all the names. Uh, some of the names you'll recognize, some of them uh, you won't. But um, I'll, I will tell you the soloists on this piece, uh, and it's written by Kenny, and it's called Smother's Song. And... Um, Kenny had a, a way of uh, uh, writing very serious, um, almost melancholy music uh, and very lyrical music, but sometimes his titles were very, uh, I guess, reflecting a, a kind of British dry sense of humor. And uh, uh, Kenny liked um, puns and things like that. And uh, so the actual spelling of this, because uh, if you read it, uh, it would be some other song. Right, but <laughs> Kenny spells it S U M O T H E R song. So there, you figure it out, and uh, he would pronounce it his way. Anyway, this is his composition, and it features this very large orchestra, the um, uh, Maritime Jazz Orchestra, and the soloist on here. The first so- uh, trumpet you hear is by the late great. Um, British Columbia-born, it's an old friend of mine and so many people, Arnie Tchaikovsky, one of the finest lead trumpet players in the world. Arnie Tchaikovsky is on here. On tenor saxophone, uh, who solos, uh, another good friend of mine, but he's from the Maritimes, Kirk MacDonald. Then the great English uh, pianist, John Taylor. Uh, and, of course, John and, and uh, Kenny Wheeler were very, very tight friends. Alan Sutherland on guitar. Then we hear Kenny Wheeler on trumpet, and there are some beautiful vocal effects on this tune by the great uh, British vocalist Norma Winstone. So here then is Smother's Song, Kenny Wheeler. Thank you. 
An example of Kelly Wheeler's magnificent writing with a piece of music called Smother Song. And uh, that was the Maritime Jazz Orchestra made up of the cream of the crop of musicians that live in uh, New Brunswick or are from New Brunswick. And uh, we heard, um, as soloists, the, um, the first uh, trumpet that you heard on the piece was uh, played by the great lead trumpeter, originally from British Columbia, Arnie Tchaikovsky. Then he was followed by Kirk McDonald on tenor saxophone. He's from the Maritimes. And British pianist and buddy of Kenny Wheeler's and frequent uh, collaborator, John Taylor on piano. Alan Sutherland was heard on guitar. Then Kenny Wheeler himself on trumpet. And, of course, the, uh, the final uh, segment of the piece, uh, that beautiful wordless vocal by um, British vocalist Norma Winstone. Smother song. Kenny Wheeler, Norma Winstone, John Taylor with the Maritime Jazz Orchestra. Another piece of um, composition by Kenny Wheeler's is, I love this piece. Uh, It's got a rather enigmatic title. It's called 8 plus 3 slash Alice, my dear. Uh, And this features um, a brass ensemble uh, with Four trumpets, um, three trombones, or four trombones, including two bass trombones, and um, John Taylor on piano, and uh, John Paraselli on guitar, and Kenny Wheeler on flugelhorn. And this is more emphasizing uh, Kenny's uh, compositional talents again. And this is a piece that starts... um, in one mood and then moves to another. And the final mood is like a almost, uh, I can always imagine, um, uh, you know, uh, when they have these ceremonial um, things like changing of the guard and so on in, in uh, Buckingham Palace with uh, all, these, all these gentlemen with the big busbies um, and uh, riding these magnificent horses. It's kind of like a fanfare. And it reminds me of that, but uh, the title would never let you know that it was it was like that. That's my impression anyway. But this is a, a very interesting um, piece of music, as I said, uh, as always, uh, that, that, that Kenny writes. Again, the title is 8 plus 3 slash Alice, my dear. Kenny Wheeler and this uh, brass ensemble.
See what I mean when I was talking about procession? That's what it sounded like. Kenny Wheeler, a very unique composition for a brass ensemble, and uh, it was titled 8 Plus 3. That was the first part of it. And the second part was entitled Alice, My Dear. So it was rather uh, enigmatic uh, title for this piece of music. This is from an album by Kenny Wheeler called A Long Time Ago. And it's uh, compositional music for uh, brass ensemble and soloists. And um, such people as John Taylor was playing piano, uh, John Paraselli on guitar, and a whole bunch of... uh, Trumpets and trombones. The lead trombonist on the uh, opening segment of that tune was Pete Beeshill, and um, a British musician, and the rest of them. Four trumpets, uh, four trombones, and uh, all the other people I mentioned. We're paying tribute, of course, to the late, great Kenny Wheeler, who passed away Uh, Last week, September 18th, he was 84 years old. He will be missed terribly. We're going to have one more piece by Kenny Wheeler. But just before uh, we get into that, I'd just like to mention a couple of websites, as I usually do uh, around this time, um, that uh, you should check out. One of them is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and that's coastaljazz.ca. And, of course, it's a very comprehensive website. It has gigs on there and all sorts of things, and um, especially emphasizing, of course, coastal jazz's uh, productions. And, of course, um, they don't sleep. They're uh, planning uh, next year's jazz festival, working very hard, and they've got a lot of stuff happening this fall. So do check out their website, coastaljazz.ca. The other website, Pertaining to this music, of course, is Brian Nation's great website, which is VancouverJazz.com. And that's got all kinds of links on there, biographies of uh, all the resident musicians here. And um, it's got our jazz features on there. It's got uh, uh, gigs that are up up and coming. And uh, it's a really good website to refer to because uh, um, jazz pops up in different parts of the city. And in different uh, in in different places, of course, and that's one place to look because Brian keeps it all up to date, and it's a very very good reference. So there you go, VancouverJazz.com, and one more thing, my friend Ken Speller, who is a wonderful musical instrument repairman, as well as being a fine musician, uh, Ken repairs saxophones, clarinets, flutes. And uh, these instruments require a lot of upkeep because things quickly break down on them. And just one little pad that's got a leak in it or something is going to make you sound not so good. And uh, Ken will uh, figure that out and fix it for you. He's very, very reasonable because his workshop is in his home. And uh, that's an important factor. He keeps his prices to a minimum. And um, he, he will devote as much time as he Uh, can to your instrument to put it into great shape. He's located in North Vancouver at 13th and Lonsdale area, and he can be contacted by telephone uh, at 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933, or um, via email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. 
kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Whether you're a pro, amateur, student, or just uh, or a beginner, uh, you need to have your saxophone, your flute, your clarinet, whatever, in good shape to play. Then you'll sound the very best that you can. Ken Speller, good man to know. All right, our final tribute to Kenny Wheeler. I have a favorite album. A lot of people like the album New High, which came out on ECM. That's a, that's a beautiful album, and I like that album a lot. That's Kenny Wheeler, and Keith Jarrett plays piano. But this album is the album that I like. Um, it, to me, this is, if I was to recommend uh, an album representing Kenny's compositional talents and his playing, this is the album that I would recommend to begin if you were not familiar with Kenny's playing. It's an album called Double W, and it uh, came out on the ECM label. It was recorded in May of 1983 in New York City, and it features Kenny Wheeler on uh, trumpet and flugelhorn with Michael Brecker on tenor saxophone, the late, great Michael Brecker, John Taylor, once again, on piano, and listen to his beautiful intro to this piece, Dave Holland on bass, and Jack DeJanette on drums. Now, there is an all-star band. This is Kenny's composition. It's called Foxy Trot.
A Kenny Wheeler composition, fascinating piece of music called Foxy Trot. And that's from uh, a very famous album and uh, one of my all-time favorite Kenny Wheeler albums called Double W, which came out on the ECM label, recorded in New York City in May of 1983. And that featured Kenny on trumpet on uh, on that particular piece. He plays flugelhorn on the, some of the other pieces. Michael Brecker on tenor saxophone, John Taylor on piano, Dave Holland on bass, and Jack DeJanette on drums. And concluding our tribute to this uh, great musician, I mean, Kenny Wheeler's music will never be a stranger on the jazz show, but... Um, We've had a long tribute to him demonstrating not only his playing capabilities, but his uh, composing as well. So I hope you uh, enjoyed that. A tribute to this uh, great Canadian-born musician, born in Toronto in uh, 1930 and died in, at his home in, in London in uh, just last week, September 18th at age 84. Kenny Wheeler. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. And another untimely, well, I wouldn't say untimely passing, but another passing was a great singer by the name of Jackie Kane. Jackie Kane was born in Milwaukee, and uh, she came to fame um, with her association she was known uh, for her association with her partner, Roy Krell, who was not only a fine singer but a fine pianist as well. Uh, they got together and they married, long-term marriage, and of course became Jackie and Roy, one of the great jazz um, song uh, duets. And they recorded tons of albums for major labels. And of course... Um, they have been called uh, the most famous vocal duo in jazz history. And Jackie was, uh, Roy passed away in, nine, in uh, 2002, and Jackie passed away uh, at her home September 15th this year. And, uh, of course, um, she will be missed. She, um, her home was in Montclair, New Jersey. And uh, Jackie was 86. She died as the, uh, from the results of a stroke. So we're going to hear one of their early partnerships when they joined. This is where the, the, the duo of Roy Crowell and Jackie Kane became famous. They joined a band led by tenor saxophonist and virtuoso Charlie Ventura. And he had a band called Bop for the People. And we're going to take you back to a great concert that took place at the Pasadena Civic Auditorium, May 9th, 1949, and here are a few examples of Jackie and Roy with the Charlie Ventura band. And uh, interestingly enough, they blend with the horns, They're both of their voices, and it's a very, very interesting um, combination, uh, wordless vocals and, and, um, and, the, and the guys in the band, including... Uh, Charlie Ventura on tenor saxophone, the leader, Connie Condoli on trumpet, Benny Green, my favorite, on trombone, Boots Masilli on um, alto saxophone and section baritone saxophone, uh, Roy Krell on piano, of course, as I mentioned, and vocal, 
Kenny O'Brien on bass, and the great Ed Shaughnessy on drums, and Jackie Kane on vocals. So Jackie and Roy together. So we hear, we're going to hear a couple of tunes with them blending with the band. And the final third tune is um, a solo by Jackie Kane, and she's going to sing a very beautiful song for you that I think you're all familiar with. So we open with um, a Charlie Ventura composition called Euphoria. Then we go to uh, another famous Ventura composition called East of Suez, which was uh, actually a hit for the band. And the final piece that we're going to hear is Jackie Kane's feature, and she's going to do a very beautiful rendition of Over the Rainbow. So this is a small tribute to Jackie Kane. So we take you back and check out Charlie Ventura's band. Thank you. 
We just pay tribute to the late, great Jackie Kane, one of the finest uh, vocalists ever on the planet, and she passed away. She died of a, as a result of a stroke. She was 86 years old, Jackie Kane. This was from her early days when she and her um, then-husband, Roy Crowell, uh, worked together as they were both singers uh, with uh, Charlie Ventura's band and his Bop for the People band. So we took you back to this legendary Pasadena Civic Auditorium concert, May 9th, 1949, and heard the band. People in uh, Ventura's band, of course, Charlie Ventura, one of the great virtuoso tenor saxophonists, leading Connie Condoli on trumpet, Benny Green, the man that does our theme song on trombone, Boots Masulli on alto saxophone and section baritone saxophone, Roy Krell, Jackie's partner, on piano and vocal, Kenny O'Brien on bass, and Ed Shaughnessy on drums, and, of course, Jackie Kane on vocal. So the two of them together, of course, uh, blended with the horns, and um, the first piece of music was called Euphoria, and that featured a whole bunch of great solos by everybody in the band, and then a specialty uh, piece that was a hit for Ventura's band, a tune called East of Suez, and uh, then the final tune featured Jackie Kane on solo vocal and uh, effectively ended our show this evening with uh, her glorious version of Over the Rainbow, the late Jackie Kane. All right, we'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening. My name's Gavin Walker. This has been The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9. Our jazz feature artist next week is an early album by one of the finest alto saxophonists on the planet and a gentleman who is still very much alive and performing, Phil Woods, Philip Wells Woods, and a great classic album that he did when he was a young man called Woodlore on Prestige Records. And uh, this, is a, this album is a real treasure, and that's going to be our jazz feature album next week on the show. That's what we're going to open with. Phil Woods, Woodlore. So on behalf of uh, The Jazz Show and CITR, Don't Touch the Dial as more great music and sounds and interviews and all kinds of stuff coming up 
in the next uh, hour after uh, our theme is played, and we'll see you in seven days' time. So take care, and be good to yourselves, as they used to say. (laughs) Might as well be good to yourself, because ain't no one else going to do it for you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Do-ba-dee-oo-doo-doo-wee Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-doo-wee Ba-do-ba-dee-oo-doo-doo-wee